Welcome to Emmaus Church. Glad you're here. My name's Nathan. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving weekend. I hope you feel well fed and um, that you've got a great exercise plan for December. Uh, raise your hand if you like a Bible. I'm going to do a, a style of preaching that I, I actually don't like. <laughs> um, I never do this. I'm going to go through a list. Anybody list maker? Any people? Yeah, okay. So you're going to love this because it's a list today. And so I won't be like cracking open and really getting into the details of a specific text, but I will be putting texts on the screen, at least references. So if you're like, I wonder where he's getting that idea, there'll be a, a, a reference that you can investigate either right as I'm speaking or later on, write it in your notes, and um, you can kind of get the sense of where in scripture do we get this, this idea, all right? Also, if you're new here or new after a while, I'm so glad you're here, and I hope that you'll fill out a card. There's cards in those Bibles, and you can uh, turn one in if you like to in a few minutes when I'm done speaking as a way of just saying, hey, I was here. If you'd like to get the newsletter, we'll add you to that list. It's a little 30-second, three things happening in our church this week kind of newsletter that goes out almost every week, and, um, and also if you have prayer requests or anything like that, you're welcome to put that there. All right. Good. I have a question for you. I'd like you to respond. It's not rhetorical. Um, have you ever considered quitting church? Yes. There we go. Uh, have you ever felt like this isn't working for me anymore? Okay, so lots of nodding of heads, lots of yeses, um, which is good. I appreciate that. And I would raise my hand too. So why? That's my question. What is one of the things that has pushed you to a place of, man, I'm, I might just drop this and not be church anymore. I might just make this part of my past and not my present. What's, what's one of the contributors? What's one of the frustrations? What's one of the problems or the, or the, the issues? Can, can anyone share? Unanswered prayer. Unanswered prayer. What's going on here with that? Great. That's a mysterious one to start with right off the top, Aaron. Thank you for being honest about that. Somebody else? Um, Debbie. Hi, sorry, Debbie. I'm choosing to ignore you. Actually, I'm not. Hmm. That's pretty vague. Yeah. Just. It, got it. Got it. That's helpful. Okay. Did you hear that? Yeah. Like it just this isn't matching. Is that fair to say it like that? Like I'm. I see it like this. And I'm hearing it at church like this, and that's, not, that's causing a lot of dissonance in me consistently. Somebody else? You've thought about quitting church, because, go ahead, Patrick. Leadership. Okay, I know, they're always the problem. Get over, <laughs> right, good, right. Yeah, fundamental in this whole thing called community or family or business, right, is there's a leader, and often it's, that's the point of challenge. Mark? I'm sorry? Hurt. Hurt, Yeah. Good. That's also broad, but I think you're saying in the context of the church, sure. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people have a story that involves being hurt by the church, and that is not where hurt is supposed to happen. Tina. Good. Did you guys hear that? Lack of evidence or fruit. What's this accomplishing? What difference is this making? Uh, Jean. Hypocrisy. Sure. Yeah. That's really hard to see anywhere, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's why I've said no to several things in my life um, without getting into that. It's I just don't see it. It's too much hypocrisy there. Yeah, I can't put my heart into that anymore, right? And that's been an issue in the church since the beginning, right? Because we're broken, flawed people. Maybe a couple other thoughts? Okay, so maybe you've considered ditching the church, quitting the church, 
but you have resolved not to. You have committed, no, actually, um, I am going to be committed to the local church as part of my life, um, and I'm committed to that. So if that's you, what are, what's one of the reasons why you've chosen to stay committed to the church? What's one of the reasons that you still believe enough in the church that you're here today? It's probably several things. What's one factor that's kept you interested? Yeah. It was established directly by God. Great. Great. Yeah, the church was Christ's idea, right? You hear this. If you read the teachings of Jesus, uh, you realize that the church is a fundamental part of the plan. Good. It was established by God. Uh, Kara? You're trying to have faith. Yeah, yeah. So this is, you're hoping this helps you forward in that effort, right? Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate that. Yeah, somebody else said something to me about that this morning. I'm here because I'm, tr I'm trying to hold on to something that feels very elusive to me. This whole mysterious faith thing. Somebody else? Sense of community. Great reason. Yeah. Yeah. Sense of community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Place. Right. Place to serve. A place to, yeah, make an impact. Good. Good. I appreciate that. Appreciate the feedback. This is the last Sunday of the year. Uh, there's a Christian calendar. Today's the last Sunday of the Christian year. Next Sunday begins Advent, which is the first Sunday of the new year from a Christian year perspective. I'm super stoked about our Advent series, uh, and I'll be kicking that off next week. We begin to tell the story again with the anticipation of the coming of Christ. Uh, what I want to do today, this last day of the church year, is just to very consciously acknowledge what it is that we're doing right now together. This, this sort of, let's talk about us. It's sort of a relationship-defining talk in a sense. Let's sort of, let's go ahead and put it out on the table, this thing that we do together, this routine, this rhythm, this habit, this passion, whatever you would categorize it as, of coming to the same place at the same time and essentially doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. Today's our 660th gathering. Been doing this for a while now, right? Um, so 2017 was a year of a lot of change for us. We started the year meeting for worship in an elementary school. We're ending the year here in our first home, the Lincoln Theater, where uh, it's our first kind of home as a church. But even with that significant change and all of the changes that have gone along with that, we are essentially doing the same thing we've always done, right? We're gathering for worship we're hearing the word, we're responding to the word, and we're going out to serve. That's our pattern. That's what we do all the time. We gather. It's called the fourfold pattern of worship. It's historic. We gather for worship. We hear the word. We respond to the word. That takes several forms, like passing the peace, sharing our money with one another, receiving communion, singing to the Lord, praying for each other, all that stuff. And then we go out to serve. That's what we do. We've always done it, and we'll continue to do it. Um, and often throughout the week, I'll be uh, like sharing a meal with one of you and, uh, or getting a coffee with somebody and I'll, somebody else will walk up and approach us at the table or something and I will have the opportunity to introduce you to somebody who I know that isn't a part of the church. And I will typically just, I find myself saying the same phrase all the time. Oh, Dan, this is so-and-so. Yeah, Dan and I, we go to church together, right? Uh, and I know that's not the whole story, but that's sort of... That's, that is a point of connection. It's a prominent point of connection that all of us share with the rest of the, the, rest of the folks in this um, room, right? I mean, there's all kinds of different interactions that we have with sports, with schools, we're neighbors, we go to the cafe that Aaron runs or whatever. But at the, at the core, one of the things that we all share here, we go to church together, right? We're part of the same church community. 
Not the full story, but at a basic level, obvious level, this is what we do. I don't really like the phrase, go to church together. It sounds kind of flimsy. But we're part of the same church community. But, but even though we've been like focusing on this um, a lot since the beginning, this, especially this last year, what we've been saying is the ultimate point of this thing that we do together is not this thing that we do together, right? The ultimate point of this gathering is, is something that happens beyond this gathering, and that's what makes this kind of a tension. That's what makes this kind of difficult. In other words, our gathering has got to make a real difference in our scattering, or else the gathering kind of is we're missing the point, Right? Um, if, our, if, if what we're doing here doesn't impact what we do there, if what we're doing now doesn't impact what we do next, then we're missing the point of this. We're somehow missing it. And I think that's the tension, and I think very few churches, probably including ours, do this well, do both well. What do I mean by both? Really good teaching, worship, good relationships. I feel so welcome. I feel so uh, involved here in a meaningful way. This, this community is like a family to me. That's one side. And I'm making an impact in the world. Our church is changing the whole city, right? Everybody's coming to Christ that interacts with us. We're, we're fixing broken things. That's another. And those are, those are hard to do both of those things well. Usually a church is really good at this or they're really good at this. And the tension is we're called to, to do both, right? And, and that's, that's why it's, it's challenging. Uh, we want to build this community. We also want to engage the city and the county and the area. We want to build good relationships here that matter. We also want to build good relationships with people who are not here that matter, all right? We want to come here and we want to grow our faith. We also are called to share our faith with others. So there's this tension. And if you've been part of our church for any amount of time, I hope you're thinking it doesn't have to be either or, right? You're right. It doesn't. It can be both and. It should be both and together. So my hope, friends, this morning is simply this. I want to encourage you to consider that the best way to restore the world is to restore the church, okay? The best way to make an impact in the culture is to be involved in a meaningful, worshiping Christian community, right? So I hope that you'll consider that as a posture and as an approach to, to what we're doing. In other words, rather than the church running away from culture into the hills, right? Or rather than the church fighting against the culture, Voting against the culture, it's all about us against the culture, rather than the church sort of just sort of falling into step with the culture, getting swept up with the culture. What I think is that we need to be, and it's not just me, others as well, what if we could live in such a way that we provided, that we demonstrated an alternative option to the culture, right? What if we showed another way, a different way to the culture? I want to suggest that a healthy church results in a healthier city, right? Healthier church makes healthier families. Healthier families make better Thanksgiving experiences, right? And, and, and make schools stronger and make cities better, right? I want to suggest that the church that confronts injustice within the church is the only church that has anything to say to injustice outside of the church, right? I want to suggest that the church that welcomes the poor and the church that welcomes the poor in, the sp the poor in spirit is the church that's paving the way for real restoration, both materially and sort of emotionally, to happen in real life. So a couple stories. I met, I had two meetings early this week. It was a short week. I had a meeting Monday and Tuesday with what can be called uh, groups of people that can be called stakeholders in, in this area. And essentially what we were talking about was the place of the church in the city. 
um, not the geographical location of this church in this town, but the value of the church in this city. Like, what's the use? What's the point? What good can the church be in the city? And what stuck out to me, and it's happened before, and it'll probably happen again, is that the value of the church in the eyes of those who are not part of the church is not readily recognized and is not widely embraced. In other words, most people outside of the church probably feel like the church is irrelevant. That's part of why they're not a part of it. It doesn't make a difference in their life. They don't see it making a difference in the world, right? It doesn't. It's the perspective. It's not, I mean, it's not in sync, right? So um, I've got these conversations with people in the city um, that I'm talking with, and I have these opportunities to argue that or to hopefully not argue in a debating kind of way, but to propose that the church could be a valuable player in this town, right? And it's not just with people from the city. Um, I'm also having these conversations with, with people like us um, who have been a part of the church and aren't anymore, are a part of the church, but are really struggling with the church or are considering becoming part of the church and are wanting to make a real conscious decision about it. So they're not gonna just try it out for a while. They're actually wanting to meet with me first before they, before they consider it. So here's what many of these conversations ultimately boil down to. It's this question. Do we really need the church? Right? That's the question. Do we really need the church? Is this a valuable use of my time, energy, resources, whatever? Asking the church this morning if we really need the church probably feels a little bit like preaching to the choir. It might feel kind of like an easy audience right, to get that, that message across. But I think it's really important for us as a church, to pause and address this topic. Why? Well, because we're spending a lot of time together, a lot of effort together, and a lot of money together doing this thing we call gathering as the church. It's possible, in fact, this happens in sports seasons consistently, you gotta revisit the basics about halfway through the season because it ceases to be apparent as to why we're taking ground balls again. Right? So some of the basics that we do, I think there's value in returning to them and saying, hey, remember why we do this? Oh, yeah, that's why we do this. This is why it's important. So today, um, and there's al it's always been this way, but there, there is this uh, repetitive voice. Is the church really necessary? Is the church really necessary? Because I can spend my time in other places, and I can learn better in other places, and I can experience God better in other places, and I can help people more in other places, and in so many ways, I can probably do better on my own, or I can do better without the church. I mean, all of us know somebody who's left the church. Uh, they're probably doing all right in a lot of ways. They probably still love God. They probably are making a difference in some sense, right? Uh, there's a whole host of reasons people leave the church. Um, you may know that the fastest growing religious group in our culture is the nuns, N-O-N-E-S. In other words, none of the above at the bottom of the form that gives me an opportunity to say which religious group I affiliate with. None of the above. Thank you very much. The church is told, is said, we don't have anything to say to the millennials. We don't have anything of value to offer to the culture. I mean, I, these are the kinds of questions that I hear and, I'm, and I feel like I'm addressing, and I'm sure you are too as part of the church. So... A couple months ago, I'm interacting with this person, and they rattle off seven reasons why it's good for Christians to be a part of the church, and um, why it's good for Christians. And, and I, I'll tell you who it is in just a minute, but I found it really helpful. And here's where I get to the list. So if you're a list taker, you, you might appreciate this. But I feel like this is really interesting. These reasons why it's good for Christians to be in the local church, to be committed to a local church, I feel like are compelling to me and, and very um, valuable to me. 
Um, and I thought it'd be a great way to end the year together. In other words, um, here's why what we're doing right now matters, could matter, and could make it to us, and could make a difference in the world around us, right? So here's the seven reasons. Seven reasons why it's good for Christians to be committed to a local church. Number one, material help. Material help. In other words, we share stuff. That's one reason. We share stuff. One of you shared your car with me this week because my car broke. Uh, last week, we made dinner for somebody in this church because they had a baby, and we wanted to feed them, right? Uh, some of you this week helped somebody else with a job. Several of you helped people with food this week. Material things. We share things, right? That's just one reason. Another reason. Second reason why it's good for us to be a part of the local church. Love is others-focused. That's reason number two. By definition, love is others-focused. Well, we got a lot of others here. We got specific others. The point isn't that there's a lot. The point is that there's specific others with faces and names, and you're sitting next to them, right? So the local church, in other words, is a real group of real people that we can have the opportunity to actually love. Everybody thinks love is a good idea. Pretty much everybody wants to help other people, but it's really easy for this value of loving others to be expressed very rarely in action. We think of ourselves as way more loving and way more helpful than we usually are most of the time. If you have a relationship that's honest enough where you can actually press somebody for the last time, for instance, they gave money to help somebody, you will probably learn that they feel like they just helped somebody out. But in fact, it's been two or three or four or five months, right? It's very common in our culture to feel so generous about what we're doing, especially this time of year, when in fact it was a $50 charity gift, you know, and you probably won't do that again for several months, but you feel really good about yourself. Um, the good part about being a part of a church is that we're confronted with real people with real needs consistently. You can't ignore it very long. It becomes very uncomfortable because she's sitting next to you again this week, right? Because you see the kid again this week. And so we're aware of the needs. And I'm speaking to the, I'm literally talking to people who know what you're talking about because some of you, I'm hearing stories even about the last few days have just been helping people, have been loving people specifically. Here's a, a funny story. When I was a youth pastor in Sacramento, this is like the year 2000, we were raising money for a bunch of our kids to go to Mexico to build a house, and we had a pie auction. We invited people to make these pies, and then we'd try to jack up the prices and make ridiculous amounts of money on these desserts. Well, there was a guy who, I don't know what his deal was, but he loved this event. He never came to church, but somebody would invite him to the pie auction. And I think it's because, frankly, he would just be treated like an all-star. So he'd walk in. He was a real fancy, kind of a slick guy. And I just remember at this one point, he just starts it off. He buys a pie for 500 bucks right out of the gate. Well, the, the kids are just like, he's amazing. You know, and the kids are like offering him extra drinks and just trying to help him out and, and just making a big deal about him. And he's loving it. He's loving the attention. And in the corner of our church is this little couple, this little old couple, Elvis and Evelyn. He was named Elvis before Elvis was named Elvis. I mean, they, they're like the true, and they're just smiling, just sweet. I don't know if they could hear anything that was happening, but they're just smiling because all this energy and excitement is happening for the kids. And I was sitting next to my pastor at the time, and he just, and they're big, big deal, 500 bucks, 500 bucks. And, and he just makes this observation. He says, you know, there's people that have given 500 bucks a month to this church for decades. 
He didn't say anything about the guy. He didn't say it was Elvis and Evelyn, though I know he was looking at them. But the point is that they had been involved in participating in the local church as a lifestyle. Consequently, their lifestyle had, sh had shifted and evolved and grown to the point where they're always sharing with other people. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because they're so aware of the needs of this little community, right, this little, little church, and it was beautiful, right? But that's one of the reasons why we need to be involved in the church. It's the opposite of once-and-done charity. It's consistent, practical, hands-on, I know your name, I know your address, I know your issues, and I can help you in practical ways, love, right? All right, third reason it's going to be part of the local church, and here I'm quoting this guy, efficient obedience to Jesus. Uh, in other words, we are, as a community, relatively well-positioned to respond in obedience to the teachings of Christ. And this is such a rewarding part of being in leadership at a church. In other words, all week long, Sandy, Rich, Angela, others in the office, we're hearing needs and we're hearing offers to help. This morning, somebody said, I want to help. Where is there a need? And I can say, it's here. We'll call you tomorrow, and you can start on Sunday. That's really efficient treatment of this like invitation, frankly, command to obey Jesus. If you are interested, so like some examples, we follow Jesus. He teaches throughout the gospels. One of the most challenging teachings in my mind is in Matthew 25. This is where he talks about the end of life or the end of time when there will be a judgment between the goats and the sheep. And it all really boils down to, did you care for people in need? You know this passage? Some of you are familiar with this. They're like, when did we see you naked? And when did we see you hungry? And when did we see you in jail? And Jesus says, whatever you've done for the least of these, you've done for me. Right? Well, we hold on to that as a critical element of what it means to follow Jesus. Therefore, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna spend some time trying to connect people in a way that effectively results in people being helped, specifically the vulnerable. Jesus' brother James teaches that religion that, is, um, religion that is true and faultless is this taking care of the widow and the orphan in their time of need and uh, protecting yourself from being polluted in the world. What I'm trying to say is that if you're interested in caring for somebody in a practical way, such as an orphan or a widow, we can hook you up tomorrow. Like we're, that's, that's the beauty of being in community with people. You've got a need, they've got a resource. You know what? Next week, you'll have a resource and they'll have a need, or if I said that right, but we will help one another in practical ways. And we can do this pretty effectively and efficiently because we're part of this same community. All right. A fourth reason that it's really helpful for Christians to be a part of the church is that criticism is helpful. Criticism is helpful. We need others. If we stick with the we need piece in your notes, we need others to point out our blind spots. That's why they're blind. You can't see them. You need me to show, to show them to you. I need you to show me mine. We need one another to show our blind spots. Um, this is out of Proverbs 27. Wounds from a friend are better than kisses from an enemy. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Now, criticism can be mean-spirited, and that's not biblical. That's not Christian. But criticism can be very loving, and therefore, it can be helpful. I had a mentor of mine whom I deeply respect who sat me down one time and said, Nathan, you don't believe you get fuzz on your teeth. I wasn't sure what that meant, but, but uh, I had to ask him to explain it. And essentially, he was basically saying, you know, you, you think you're pretty special. 
and you don't often admit that you're wrong. You don't even think you get fuzz on your teeth, dude. And, and that was hard for me to hear because I loved this man and I respected him, but it's been 23 years since he said that to me and it stuck because it was, I needed it. I needed it. Yeah. Always struggled with arrogance. I needed that guy who loved me, part of my church, to say, hey, context was appropriate, relational equity was there, everything, he, he did it right. So I'm not su- suggesting you just start throwing you know, bombs at people. But, um, but he, I'm saying that the church can be a place where criticism happens in a way that is really helpful. We should welcome criticism if, in fact, it helps us to grow in holiness. We should welcome criticism if it helps us to mature and to become the person that we were created to be. You with me? Yeah, nobody likes criticism, but it's a good thing. It can be a good thing. All right, fifth reason it's good to be a part of the local church is that only in community do we live uh, or can we live as one body which is the song that we just ended with in that opening set. This is this idea that we're in this together. We're in this together. That's a phrase that echoes the teachings of Jesus. It echoes the teachings of Paul. Paul's the one who uses this analogy of one body. We, he says, are one body. Jesus is the head. We are all different parts of the same body. And the point is that not only is every part needed, not only is every part useful, but every part affects the other part. Every part affects the other part. Somebody's sad here this morning, that affects me, right? Somebody's rejoicing, that also affects me. So what, the, what Paul will do is he will encourage the churches that he's starting in the New Testament to be emotionally invested in one another's lives, to grieve with those who grieve and to rejoice with those who rejoice. Isn't that powerful? It's like you are part of the same organism or the same community, Two families in our community, in our church, just this last week, finalized adoptions, right? The Hornacek's adopted a couple of kids. That finalized on, I believe that was the Monday one, and on Saturday, the Martinez has finalized an, an adoption. This is beautiful, right? This is a wonderful thing. And they would have people that came with them to the courthouse, people that came to the parties afterwards. And the reason I believe that there was such a such a full celebration of the joy of this adoption process was because for the last three years, so many of you bought into the pain of the struggle leading up to that point, right? So we're invested. It's like a a once and done sort of flash in the pan. Oh, this is a, a nice little party. No, this is a journey that we've been on together and there's so much power in that. There's so much power in that. We're in this together. All right, number six reason, speaking of one body, here's, here's one good reason, another good reason to be part of the local church, is that uh, one person cannot receive all of the spiritual gifts, right? So we actually, we actually need, not it's helpful if we have, we need each other. Uh, no one person can be gifted in wisdom and in mercy and in teaching and in leadership and in hospitality and in faith and in healing, and in evangelism, and in prophecy, and in service, right? No one person can, you don't get, nobody has that, but even a small church can be gifted in all those ways, right? Together, a church can, well, she's a great teacher, and he's always willing to help, and she's full of faith, and she won't give up. She'll keep praying for you, where others just aren't gifted in that way. He's so wise. She makes everyone feel welcome, and she's hospitality like to the 10, right? 
He's so authentic, so, so good at sharing Jesus with people. She's so generous. She's always willing to back things. He's so gracious when he speaks the truth. I never feel condemned by him. I always feel challenged and encouraged. If you take this idea of church and all of the gifts of the church for all of the purposes of the church and you just focus on my, my little world for a second, my, one of my struggles right now is parenting. Uh, I'm just in the thick of it. And I'm just very aware on a daily basis that I don't have the full gift set when it comes to being a parent. I mean, I am losing battles daily, right? Um, and, and I am so grateful to be part of the church when it comes to this specific challenge in my life. I don't need to have all the answers and I don't need to be like world-class parent on all levels because I have the church. And several of you have just taken such a deep commitment uh, to involve yourselves in, in my family and we hope to be doing that in the lives of other families. And that's powerful, right? That's powerful. We actually need each other. Final reason it's good to be part of the local church, increased power in prayer. Increased power in prayer. Together, we are more spiritually powerful than we are on our own because grace rests on each person in the church. And this is mysterious. We can't really quantify this. It doesn't really work out in terms of an equation. But you you hear stories, you read evidence of this all throughout the Bible. One example is the story in Acts 12, short paraphrase. Peter, John, arrested, taken to jail. They think they're going to get killed. So the whole church gathers to pray. Earthquake happens, doors fly open. Jailer's like, I'm going to get killed anyway. I might as well just kill myself. Peter says, stop, leads him to Jesus, baptizes his whole family that night, right? It's this powerful uh, um, result. It's linked to this part of the story, which Luke writes, who writes Acts. The whole church had gathered together in prayer. Powerful. There have been times in our life when there have been hundreds of people praying for us at one time because of different challenges or whatever things that we're facing. There's power in that. There's more power together on a spiritual level in some sense than when you're just praying by yourself, right? God gives grace to each one, and when each one is linked to another, I mean, this is right out of the mouth of Jesus, right? Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am. I mean, there's something about the power of coming together with others that is spiritual in nature, not just, well, now we can move a bigger pile of rocks, right? The spiritual So look over those seven reasons that it's good for Christians, specifically, to be involved in a local church. It's a big, long list, a lot of information. You won't remember it because there's too many points. That's why you should never preach a sermon with several points. Um, But circle one that you feel like might be helpful to you. You, Oh, I needed to hear this. Or "This this is a good idea. I should think about this some more. Or, yep, this is why I'm here. This is the reason. Really quickly, the person who gave me this list uh, is not is very realist, and also laid out four reasons why the church can be a dangerous place. And I'll just take thirty seconds for this, but I thought these were interesting too. The church can be a dangerous place because of a lack of vigilance against evil. And I, literally, I've been criticized for this this year. Something evil has happened in the world. It happens like every other day now, it seems, and I don't address it, and the perception is that we're just sort of all whatever apathetic about it, right? But that is a real danger that the church just doesn't address, so we just get a little bit, lack vigilance against evil. A second reason it could be dangerous, uncritical self-aggrandizement. We just think 
we don't get fuzz on our teeth, right? We think our church is so amazing. That can happen. Churches can get impressed with themselves too. Third reason uh, the church can be dangerous is we can just talk and talk and talk and not do, right? We can, we can pursue a, a theoretical Christianity and not a practical one. And then a fourth reason is uh, that this person gives is the impossibility of living up to the standards that we read about in Acts. And it can be discouraging. Uh, several of you made comments about that and also at the nine o'clock. This just doesn't seem to be what I read about in the Bible. And that can be discouraging. All right. So the person who rattled off these seven reasons why it's better for Christians to be a part of the local church was addressing Christians who wanted to make a big difference in the world and were unsure of the best way to do it. And many of them were considering, as I started with this morning, just quitting church, just striking out on their own, abandoning this moves slow kind of larger community approach to it. They wanted to make an impact on the world, but they weren't sure the church was the best way to do it. And so this guy basically says, look, the best way to restore the world is to restore the church. The best way that you can make a difference in culture is to invest your life in a healthy church. And the guy's name is Basil. And what I find so fascinating about Basil is that he was born in 330 AD. He's from the fourth century. And he rolls out this list of reasons that feel so real life and so contemporary and so 21st century to me that I'm going, whoa, okay, so this has always been a thing. This has always been a challenge of the church, right? People have always been asking these kinds of questions. And he's rolling out seven reasons 1,700 years ago on the other side of the planet, and these, these reasons still resonate with me. Now, he's using different language, but essentially this is what he says. Why? We share stuff. We can love each other better. We're well positioned to make a difference in the other's needs. We can point out other people's blind spots. We are in this together. We actually need each other. And together, we're more spiritually powerful than if we were on our own. Those are seven really solid reasons why, you know what? This is worth it. This matters. And this will continue to matter. Frustration with the church, wondering if, this, if there's value in continuing to commit my Sunday mornings and, and all this emotional energy and know that there's these people who need help and, the, gosh, they're asking for help again with this. This is nothing new. This is nothing new. People thought these thoughts and asked these questions for a long, long time. Do we really need the church? And consistently the answer has been yes. Yes, we do. Yes, it's worth it. Yes, this matters. Basil in the fourth century, before him, a whole lot of other people, including the writer of Hebrews, which we looked at last week, who in chapter 10 says, let us not give up meeting together. Check out the next line, as some are in the habit of doing. Hebrews is written in the first century, probably the end of the first century. They've already gotten into a habit of not gathering together, right? But the writer says, let's not, let's not give this up. Let's not give this up, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So friends, my point this morning is simply this, that this thing that we do together, this habit, this passion, this routine, this rhythm, whatever you call it, this, we, we typically say, we go to church, which has totally, totally uninspirational to me. Like, let's use better verbs than that. But whatever we call it, it matters. That's my point. It matters, right? Going to church, is it the ultimate point of Christianity? No. 
No, it's not the ultimate point of Christianity. Uh, attending church is not the ultimate sign of your maturity, right? That is, we have never said that, and we're not saying that now. This is not the point. Restoring the world is the ultimate point. But this, this matters, okay? This matters. Faithful participation in a local church community matters. It always has been. It is now. It will continue to be like the kitchen table of the Christian faith, right? Where you are welcome, groggy and in your pajamas if you have to, to come out and sit down just as you are and receive encouragement and real food in order to become the person that God is calling you to be today and in this world, right? So may we wholeheartedly embrace this thing we call the church and the beauty of a, a small church community where we can like deal with the frustrations and the, and the celebrations all together and let the church do the work that the church was created to do because you're right, Mark, from the beginning or Dan or whoever said it, this has been God's plan. There's no plan B. This is the plan of God. To restore the world, may we become a church that is so actively involved in restoration of our lives, our families, our work relationships, that it just bleeds out. It just like flows out like a river and just begins to affect the world around us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. So, Lord, I pray for encouragement for those who this morning were like, I don't want to do this. I pray for um, reminders to those of us um, who are involved in this a lot and see the challenges up close and know the, uh, just know the exhaustion of it. I pray for those who are new to the church that they would uh, be given the grace to embrace the family with all of its quirks that they would see the beauty of it. And I pray for those, those saints here, been a part of it for years and generations in several forms, that you give them the blessing and the grace to be others-focused as they continue the race, to give and give and give to your bride, the church um, that you love so much. Forgive us. We have made a mess um, We are often not good examples to the world, but please empower us to be faithful to you, following your example of faithfulness to us. In Jesus' name, amen.